Hornets had a ton of injuries going into that Celtics game, and they get blown out. We'll discuss that contest, plus play the blame game on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, including YouTube. I'm Walker Mayo. You can catch me on WFNZ from 12 to 3. Wes and Walker, also on Twitter at Walker Mail. That's Doug Branson, my co-host. You can find him and his Hornets thoughts on his Substack, Every Hornets Box Score, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And if you're watching YouTube, you can see Nada. At Nada the Scribe is where you can follow him on Twitter. Ion College Basketball Podcast. As I've mentioned, he left the professional game for the amateurs for the pure love of basketball. Nada, how are you doing, man? Pure love of basketball, sir. You know what? Exactly why I did what I did. I did it for the pure love of the dollar. He the also American likes money a little dollar. bit. Mm-hmm. He, oh, he I likes. Love, I love the money. I love the he, dough. Yeah, well, you do a good job, at least. I hope you're making a lot of money. I hope you are getting filthy rich like Doug and I are on this Locked On Hornets <laughs> you, podcast. You know what we should do, Walker? You know what we should do, Walker? Every time we have Nada on, because he's the host of Ion College Basketball, we should find out who uh, they are mocking at the 11th pick, which seems like where the Hornets are always destined to pick, and mm-hmm. and have uh, Nada give us a little blurb. Yeah, we should. Anthony Black, Arkansas. <laughs> Um, had a really, really, really great uh, Maui tournament. Figures he, he'll figure to be a really good player. What a machine! Straight from the top of the dome. Yeah, the eleventh pick. Shout out to Dylan Jackson too with the eleventh pick podcast because that that is something we're going to become at, at the when everybody gets back right from injury. You know they're going to make the play in tournament and then they're going to find a way to get the eleventh pick. So we'll have Dylan Jackson on at that time. Um, Man, they're not going to make it if they keep losing like this, though. 140 to 105. They lose to the Boston Celtics last night. They were without everybody. Okay. I mean, this is the worst injury game. There's been a lot of them. This was the worst injury game the Hornets have experienced all season long. So they were without LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward. Mm Terry Rozier was out of this game with an illness. It seemed like he was going to go once upon a time, and then he was listed out. Cody Martin also not playing in this one. I forget the fifth guy. They're all out. I don't know who I named, who I didn't. Dennis Smith Jr. Any ball handler, okay? He was out like Muggsy Bogues, out, could not suit up for this game. (laughs) Walker was not ready to go. He just couldn't suit up. If you could handle the basketball, if you were a point guard or a backcourt member, you could not go in this game. That's just how it worked. Brevin Knight, late scratch. Yes, the people at Lowe's grocery store are happy that Brevin Knight (laughs) is out after he was yelled at because the Bobcats came to town. There's no Brevin Knight. And that's what this is what we do best. I'm glad we have the band together, the OG band, because I want to pepper ball handlers that have ever played for the Bobcats or the Hornets throughout the entire show. And this is this is the Amin El Hassan game, right? He's not walking through that door. Walking through that door. That's right. So Brevin Earl Boykins, Knight. Earl Boykins, not walking oh, through that door. Wow. <laughs> oh, I mean, Raymond I'm so Felton excited. might be walking through that door with a like a chicken bone or something like that. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Calm down. And this is where Nada goes. <laughs> Amazing. This is. I'm excited for this game. We have Earl Boykins and Brevin Knight making appearances. I'm going to sprinkle my mention in of Brian Roberts before we move on. He's not oh, walking deuce. through the door. Oh, Brian deuce, Roberts deuce. not helping. Oh man. Um. 
Neither was any other ball handler except for Teo Maladone, who's been fantastic for this team on a two-way contract. But four of 13 last night, and, you know, I mean, there's really nothing to dig deep in here as far as the actual game goes, except for some individual performances. Kai Jones gets over 20 minutes. Bryce McGowan's gets 24 minutes, 10 points for McGowan, six assists for him. Got to the free throw line, shot a couple of attempts there. Jalen McDaniels had a career high, 24 points. Hit from three, four of six, nine of 12. Nada, let's just go to you and ask uh, what's your biggest takeaway from, yes, a drubbing, but the kids got to play in this one. The kids are going to be the kids are going to be fine. You see why each one of them play. Um, Bryce McGowan's had a really good one way performance, and I say one way because I'm pretty sure he really wasn't a factor on defense. Book Knight had some signs of hey, I can play a little bit of NBA advanced NBA caliber defense, even though Tatum went at him relentlessly because he doesn't have the physicality to necessarily defend well. Kai Jones will make a play. He will make something shake. He will do something on the offensive end to where you are feeling really, really confident about what he's going to do in the next couple of years. Outside of that, um, really wasn't much. Nick Richards got picked on in the pick and roll a lot. Uh, Outside of that, it was your top five of your rotation was out, and, and you were going to lose this game basically by however much the Boston Celtics wanted to win by. Doug, what's your main takeaway from this one? Uh, well, my main takeaway is that Tony Bennett is not walking through that door. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's coaching. <laughs> he, can't, he can't help you now. He's coaching. He's not going to be Bryante Weber. Bryante Weber is not walking. I wish. Through that oh, door. The, the the most irrational love I've ever had for a Hornets player was Bryante Weber. It made no they sense. Stepped but I in, won a ball game. I mean, not many point guards can say that in the Hornets in Hornets history. They won a ball game. Uh, so my my big takeaway on this game is that this was always even with uh, Terry Rozier, this was going to be a difficult matchup for the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, the Boston Celtics, uh, number one in a ton of offensive categories, pro- probably going to go down in the history books as one of the better offenses of all time. Uh, versus a Hornets team that has gotten back in transition defense and and but you know half court defense has been an issue for them at times. Uh, they they don't have a lot of defense up front, especially when you're missing DSJ. So they got you know uh, not a mention that Nick Richards got picked on in the pick and roll, but he wasn't the only one. I mean, I thought from the very jump they were just out of position defensively. The starting lineup didn't defend well either. And you could hear, you know, Clifford addressed this after the game, wasn't going to go too hard on the guys for obvious reasons. But but they could have played better defensively. Like, you didn't have to give yeah. up 45 points in the first quarter. You didn't have to give up th- uh, 43 points in the third quarter. That 45 points in the first quarter, by the way, the most points that Charlotte Hornets team has ever given up in a first quarter. I had fun looking up uh, some stats on that last night because I thought they were going to set the record for most points allowed all time at 146. And Boston uh, really sort of gave up. They could have gotten the record if they really wanted to, but they gave up at the end. But yeah, my take is they've they've got some stuff to learn from this game. This was always probably going to be a double digit, possibly a 20-point blowout, even with Terry Rozier. Uh, and you know they've got to move on. They've got three days off now to, before they face off against Washington. Got to regroup and figure things out. Well, and coming into this game yesterday, I said this one could get ugly right away with zero time out of the gate. This one could get extremely ugly because of all of the injuries. That's exactly what happened. Eric Collins was on the broadcast last night. He said, you know, look, 19 points in the first quarter. It's not good, but it's not the most disastrous thing in the world. 
45 points allowed. That's what scares you. And then they almost did it again <laughs> in the third quarter. It's the 43 they allowed in the yeah. third. I that that was the thing. It was the defense, Doug, that you kind of pointed out. Well, and so and again, I, I'm going to caveat everything I say with with injuries. But at the same time, well, that's the whole show. This whole show no. is under the umbrella that injuries are the biggest factor, even with this injury laden team. Right. And, and it's really exacerbated, but it's exacerbated issues that I think are going to still be issues even as they bring in, uh, bring Fair. back players from the injury list. And one of those issues is half court offense. And, and the Hornets' half court offense has been absolutely dreadful. They've had to crash the glass at an extreme rate to try to compensate for that and get into transition, steal the basketball, get easy points to manufacture offense because mm-hmm. the half-court offense has been particularly bad. In this one, it, it was, even though they shot, they didn't shoot enough three-pointers, but they shot uh, you know, a, a, de- a decent percentage from three. But the half-court offense has been bad, and when you watch Boston and how things are clicking, you can see just how far the gulf is. And again, just go back to when they had a few of these players going for them, when LaMelo was back, when Terry was healthy, when DSJ was healthy. This still was not a half-court offense that looked anything like what you saw from the Boston Celtics. So the gulf is the gulf is deep and wide. Well, they're also the best. Like, we have to remember Boston is the best team in the league. Yeah, and they're amazing it, right it, now. Like, yeah. it's them, it's Milwaukee, and it's everybody else. Which, mind you, we get to see Milwaukee soon. Great! <laughs> so, um... It's honestly one of those things like the defense, the defensive stuff, like you pointed out earlier, especially with the the amount of threes that were just raining down on this team, especially in the first quarter, where it looked like Marcus Smart, if Marcus Smart got a contested three, it would have been the first of the game. It might still might have been the first of the game when he got a contested three. So there are a lot of the defensive things that they just missed out on where at this point, it's a great teaching tape, but at the same time, it's also, like you said, Doug, a reminder that this team has a long way to go to get anywhere close to competitive. No, the five uh, injuries that happened were against it was it was the toughest part. And, and before we go to you, Doug, and then end the segment, I did. There was the stretch at the end of the first quarter that might have been, yes, even with this team, the ugliest stretch of basketball where Jason Tatum, finally the Celtics made. I think it was a transition bucket. Maybe it was Brogdon or Smart. No, it was Smart. It was Marcus Smart that made this half-hearted runner from you know five seven feet out and Jason Tatum just kind of threw his hands up and kind of laughed a little bit after what was a horrible five six exchanges of the basketball where everybody was missing shots and then and that was when they were already up by 25 so yeah this is that it was over the Hornets were the, the Hornets were one of those little plush mouse toys for a cat like that's what yeah. the Boston the Boston Celtics were a cat playing with a cat toy Mine yeah just it, playing yeah. it just doing just doing this kind of thing by the end uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the thing that everyone has to remember when thinking about this game is that Flip Murray isn't walking through that door. Flip Murray, Fair. the Kenny Lofton, and Ish Smith, the Kenny Lofton of the NBA. The Hornets have had that guy a couple of times, and I love you for saying Flip Murray. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Nada had some spicy tweets because that's what you get from Nada the Scribe. He thinks some fans are being lazy about who to blame for the Hornets' troubles, but Doug says he knows who to blame. 
find out the battle between these two coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Turo. It's the world's largest car sharing marketplace. And with Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. You can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. You can get a classic or luxury car for a special event, a birthday, or a holiday. And you can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Mini Turo host can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. More Locked on Hornets coming up next. Is Locked on Hornets. I, I think you guys are kind of being a little hard. Wow. They're in, they, they are, uh, again, and this is me trying to be Mr. Positivity, uh, which it's is weird. really not my role, but they're... they're this is, yeah, the turntables have definitely turned here. This is yeah, not, this is absolutely not your role. In fact, I think leaving this podcast uh, has has turned you into a completely different person. When it You've comes changed, to the man. So, so what I'm saying is I think we should discredit whatever you're about to say even before you say it. Go ahead. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I think, uh, Walker, you have your microphone muted. Oh, man. It's happened twice in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I used to be so good. I'm a little phlegmy today, so I'm trying to fight that as much as I can. Are you phlegmy? I am not phlegmy, thankfully. Well, you're the Uh, professional. That's why you left us. Yeah, that's why you left us for bigger and better things. Let me try to do that again and uh, maybe take a drink during a break where you guys are talking. See, goodness gracious. Oh, boy. That was. Oh, no. oh, God. There we go. oh, God. There we go. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I'm sorry, Lockdown Sports today, but I'm still going to make this Flemmy read. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen. Make your next listen, Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. All right, going to try to control everything here. Nada, you had a tweet yesterday where, I don't want to call him out, but I guess I will. My boy, Will Kunkel at Fox 46. WJZ. I got my eye on Kunkel. I didn't see this, but I but I do have my eye on him, but no. I didn't see this. Tell me. Okay. <laughs> Queen City mm-hmm. News, not Fox 46 anymore. Queen City News and Charlotte Sports Live host. I think he said this Hornets team is a mess. And then Nada tweeted that, wait, we're judging this team after all the injuries for what reason? You know, with the normal standards that you might have for this team. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Nada, you have talked about this quite a bit, not even just Will, but there's a lot of people that have evaluated this team in a circumstance where they might, you know, throw all of the blame at the Hornets. I know you think that's lazy. What what do you think about just the way people should evaluate this team and how they're doing it right now? Like me and you've had these conversations, like we've all had these conversations in group chat before, or even individually. Like I just want people to start blaming the right folks. If you want to say that the the vibes have been off since that playing game in it last year. Cool. Let's say that you have this whole issue of, okay, they messed up the Kenny Atkinson hire. Okay. Are you going to blame actually Kenny Atkinson and the process in that? If not, then fine. Then you're just late being lazy about it. 
are you going to blame them for no offseason moves? Uh, yeah, but you have to understand that the whole Miles Bridges thing probably puts everybody in a basically a freeze situation. If you're going to blame the ownership for that and despite, and ignore the fact that you kind of have DSJ and that tail Maladone here in offseason situations as signings, let like I just want this to be a blame. Like, if you're going to blame, then let's be fair about this. Let's be honest about this. If you're doing it for a hot take because you know everybody's wanting to dump on the Hornets, yo, cool. Just be honest about that. Like, if you're doing this just to rise to, to rise us up to a point where, yo, I have a whole bunch of angry <laughs> Hornets fans t- trying to listen to I, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, I, I was just laughing at the idea that anyone would think they could get famous by by piling on the Hornets. Like, nobody cares about this organization. You get organization Twitter famous. Right you can get Twitter you get Hornets, Hornets you Twitter absolutely famous. Get, you absolutely get Twitter famous. I don't know. I mean, I think the ceiling is pretty low on on the fame that you can achieve by talking about the Charlotte Man, Hornets. You, I mean, you get, but it's a rating spike. You get 47 likes on that tweet dumping on the Hornets, though. People are feeling pretty damn good. I'm just Ooh. telling you. Um, yeah. Doug, you know who to blame, though. Like, you, yeah, you haven't figured this. out. Well, first, I will just want to say that BJ Armstrong is not walking through that, through that door. And uh, Take this, this MJ. Take that yeah. playoff L. Oh, boy. Um, I, I think people – look, there's plenty of blame to go around, but, I, but I'll tell you, hey, answer a couple of questions for me. You guys ready for these questions? Yes. Okay. All right. Who uh, is, is Donovan Mitchell healthy right now? Yes, he's healthy. Yes, is he's healthy. Rudy Gobert healthy right now? Ooh, I I, I don't think this is going to figure overall point, but yes, he's healthy. That's that's true. Well, that Rudy Gobert has had fit issues in in Minnesota. There's no doubt about that. But I think he would have fit just fine in Charlotte. The point is, you go after talent and you accumulate talent, and then if you have a few pieces of that talent suddenly. Uh, get struck with the injury bug, then you've got backup resources. The fact is the Hornets don't have enough go-to players on this roster to really sustain one major rotation injury. Like, obviously, have you know, LaMelo missing this much time was going to affect the trajectory of this season. He's that kind of impact player. If you have multiple impact players, then then you, you, you blunt some of that. Uh, but if you have really no impact players beyond LaMelo Ball, then I think this is... This is sort of what you uh, you have wrought as a franchise, and, and that goes all the way up to Michael Jordan, who has religiously avoided the tax at all costs. Will continue to do that because I don't believe that this is. I, I, I don't really. I don't really know if the the organization feels like they can cheekily avoid the tax and and somehow stumble into a winner, or if they just cynically don't even care about winning on that level the the level that, to do what it takes like golden state has done to do what it takes like the dallas mavericks have done and and, and they don't really care about that and it's all just a money-making operation I, i'm not sure at this point i was more sure that they were trying to find another lane several years ago now after many off seasons of doing nothing i'm less sure so real quickly, Golden State is yeah. the great outlier of NBA history because they hit on four draft <laughs> picks sorry. that are going to be your three draft picks. Why, are can't be Hall they, of why can't the Hornets do that? Why can't any team do what Golden State did? <laughs> yeah, right. No, they I get you. Spin, then they, uh, I know, you know, but they, then they've you, gone out and made moves. I mean, they made the move for Wiggins. You know, they do stuff. Well, yeah, but, the, the Wiggins deal that helped them for sure, but it also helps when you draft three Hall of Famers, and then you bring up Dallas. I'm not quite sure. Da- I mean, they hit, they traded up for Luca, which was a great move, and 
I don't know what else they they, they've done. They didn't keep Jalen Brunson, you know, and that no, now that was really a whole, that was, uh, There were shenanigans involved there. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but but now, I mean, their their big move was getting Chris Stapps, and that didn't but, work but over out. History, I guess, they've done what it takes to become a champ. How many championships have they won? Dallas won. One. And that was that, how many that, how many championships have the Hornets won? This is uh, this is the, this is the shot argument. Janeiro Pargo is not walking through that door. Uh, people love. Uh, I saw Pargo actually come. He was like the cool kid that was hanging out in high school that had already gone to college. He was coming back and and hanging out with the Charlotte Hornets. Just real quickly, the I the Michael Jordan and Charlotte Hornets luxury tax stuff. I really did think we were finally going to get an answer on that with Miles Bridges and beyond. I think we were going to get a really close answer because you're going to have to give him a huge payday. I always thought they were going to. Everybody thought they were going to. And then he's arrested for felony domestic violence and they don't bring him back. And so now I, I just now you're a little bit further away because this goes back to the whole should you trade for Donovan Mitchell thing. If you do gut your team and all your assets for Donovan Mitchell, they are not going to be in the position that the Cleveland Cavaliers are. Now, what I wanted to do is I wanted to shift that focus for an SGA at the beginning. It gets a little bit too, you know, focused and specific for some of these trade examples because then you can blame every other team for not trying to pounce on the SGA trade opportunity that was there mm-hmm. at the beginning. But also, if you were wanting to go after Rudy Gobert, well, you couldn't compete with the Timberwolves because the Timberwolves would have just won. So even if, let's say the Hornets were in on that deal, they only had three first-round picks, same amount of swaps, but the first-round pick that went to Kai, they weren't going to be able to beat Minnesota. So you can blame the Hornets organization, but that would be for the Kai thing, right? Like you would have to blame the trade to go up to go get Kai. And Cleveland, they weren't going to be able to compete with Cleveland because of Cleveland's assets. And so, like, I, I get it. I, I just... With the blame game, I think I'm going to do the whole fence-sitting thing. Kenny Atkinson, a lot to blame for not wanting to come here to Charlotte, and he decided to you know, stay in Golden State late. Fine. Perhaps that was some of the doing because of the Hornets, how they operate with their assistant coaches. I can blame the Hornets great for that. Great organizations no... attract great talent. Ask our friends at LinkedIn. It, it, but no one's saying this it. is a great organization, though. Like That's I'm not saying, saying that <laughs> exactly. No, 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 like, like no, one's, no one's losing that. Who's, in you, that. Well, when things go wrong, that's who needs it. It's got to go to the top. The buck stops here. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Like, yeah, if if Michael, uh, if, this, if everything this, this just kind of goes up to, the, I mean, not the injuries, but I get you. What, what do you have to say about all of what uh, Doug had to say, Nana? Like, I get. I, I understand like people want to blame folks. I, I I do buck stops at the top, but sometimes just horrible luck again. And more more importantly, Hornets fans should understand, yo, this team is ridiculously unlucky at some point. Like this team just unfortunately bad shit happens. I'm sorry. That that's what it is. This is just unfortunate stuff that happens to happen to them. The bridges thing you cannot control because no matter what. That was going to happen. The injury stuff you cannot control. You also cannot control the a player's wife deciding to say that they're hiding injuries, and then within hours, the agent decide the agent's like, oh wait, whoa, whoa, no, he's just week to week and clarifying this. And then we're getting a ridiculously terse apology saying, Hey, I kind of overreacted. I was a little bit over emotional. Like there, and then I think my other thing is we have to stop assuming the worst in the organization i'm just as guilty as everybody else on this especially when it came to gordon hayward but at some point we have to be like yo this is what it is we can't necessarily just throw this on the organization 
without at least taking a time, like taking a breath to understand, yo, maybe this is just bad luck. And unfortunately, ain't nothing we can do about it. And also, Baron, D- Baron Davis is not walking through this door. <laughs> He's not. DJ Augustine's not walking through this door. Oh, Steve Clifford would love if DJ Augustine was walking no, through that No, Steve Clifford door. would love if Michael Carter Williams walked through that door. Fair. That, I don't know if I want Michael Carter Williams walking through that door. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Doug, final thoughts on the blame game thing? Well, you know who's, who's really to blame. It's all of the fans, and you may be listening right now, and you may have done this. You may have wanted, you may have wished, you may have desired deep down in your soul to see some of these baby bees play, to see more minutes for James Booknight, to see Kai Jones in action, to see all of these draft picks that they've made over the years finally get some run. Well, you got your wish. Bit of a monkey paw situation. You've gotten your wish, and this is what happens. This is the luck that you have wrought on this team. Shame for shame. <laughs> Joe Chile's not walking through that door. <laughs> Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. <laughs> Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. It's time for a little box score boogie after the blame game. Playing a lot of games here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I want to remind everyone that this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn helps you find the right people for your team faster and you can do it for free. What you can do is you can add your job to LinkedIn. You could also add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. You have simple tools like screening questions. You can make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and who you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Mo Williams is not walking through that door. We'll talk about it coming up next locked on Hornets. This is locked on Hornets to start this off. We all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Not the gumdrop button. <laughs> My, the, button that uh. I, the button that I use to make the show come back didn't work and then all the people heard there was walker saying not the gumdrop a nice little shrek a shrek reference i'm not mad at it at all i'm i'm very happy that people got to hear the shrek reference all right played the blame game now let's play some box score boogie doug can you tell people exactly how this game works again Uh, The game is really simple. I scour the official box score to find some juicy nuggets. I will give a number to you two gentlemen, and your task is to tell me what that number means within the box score. I do also have some exciting news. I've made a new drop for the box score boogie. I'm not sure it's the final drop. I may make some revisions, but I've got a little music for us. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Let's do it. Let's Boogie. 
This is an uh, interesting cover band. Okay. I like the ending. A little spicy. A little jazzy. All right. First number on the box score, Boogie, 29. 29. Um, I'm going to go with the number of ball handlers that were injured and unable to go last night. <laughs> That's a good guess. Not a 29. What do you think? Uh, first, Corey Higgins is not walking through that door. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to assume that was turnovers combined between both teams Corey last night. Higgins. <laughs> Look, things are bad uh, yeah, in when it's land right now, but I don't know that they will ever get as bad as nepotistic, uh, yeah, free, nepotistic yeah. ad Corey Higgins. Is his running mate Reggie Williams coming through that door? Ooh. Is he coming through or Ooh. no? Know, okay, Reggie I just wanted fun. to... I was hoping that we'd get Reggie. All right, what is 29, Doug? Uh, 29 is the number of three-point attempts that the Charlotte Hornets made in this one. Low number for the Hornets when you consider what you know league averages mm-hmm. are at this point. It's over 30. Uh, they The Boston Celtics had 52, I believe, was the final number of three-point attempts for the Celtics in this game. So they were getting um, really outpaced at the three-point line, and they have been all season. They are 26th in the league in the percentage of field goal attempts from three of their entire offense. Uh, That is a stark difference from last season when they were sixth in the league in percentage of field goal attempts from three and ninth in the league. I'm just taking this off the dome. Ninth in the league in the percentage of their points that were generated from the three-point line. Obviously, LaMelo's absence hurts. Guys, I think there's something a little bit deeper with this offense that they just have not been able to generate enough three-point shots to hold pace. Well, and and let me ask you this just real quickly about Kelly Oubre because I, I think he's kind of hard to evaluate for me this year. It, yeah. the, the numbers say for three-point range for Kelly, he's actually taking slightly more threes, but for all intents and purposes, it's the same amount of threes that he took on average last year. He's shooting less percentage-wise, 31% mm-hmm. on the season, but yeah. he's just taking more shots overall. In fact, quite a bit more shots. Now, it makes sense because yeah. of the injuries, but he's attempting 17 field goals per game. Last year, yes, even Kelly, who let it fly also in the previous season, only attempted about 12 field goals per game. So he's taking five more field goals. But the overall efficiency, the field goal percentage is down. Same thing with the three-point percentage. The two-point percentage is actually he's he's attacking more, which is great. Uh, I just the efficiency is not amazing. He comes up clutch sometimes. I, this is this is just the Kelly Oubre experience. And yes, it is. I you know maybe maybe I'm trying to make too much of it. Like sometimes you get good, sometimes you get bad, and that's the Kelly Oubre facts of life. Well, what do like, you think? Honestly, and then I got something. Like like. This is where Doug would point out that this man has gone from tsunami poppy to tsunami father, Uh and he's just slightly better at picking his spots. He's just not the shameless chucker that we remember from last year, where it was just like, please stop shooting. Rather, now it's like he's the guy that we're asking to save us because it is so bleak right now. Again, he's the six in the bar that has turned to a 10 because there's nobody else there. 
Yeah, he's he's tsunami father. He's the he's the guy that gets the check at the restaurant and says, "All right, let's see what the damage is." He's the guy that farts in the room and says, "Is there a duck in here?" But like, not he before su- he asks you to pull his finger. He's doing that first. <laughs> That's no. the uncle. That's tsunami uncle. That's uh, <laughs> true. It's probably true. Uh, tsunami. No, he's tsunami father. It's true. But here's the thing: it's not about Kelly Oubre. It is about the entire offense. The, the Hornets are a '90s offense right now. They're getting everything at the rim. They can't shoot threes. They're getting a little bit in the mid range, but not a ton. But this is a '90s offense, and and I think the numbers are warped at this point. Somebody has to shoot it. Kelly has decided to take that leadership role. And even if you look at just the the percentages and you think, wow, he's not doing well, sure, within the context of a high-octane offense, those numbers would not be great. In the context of the Hornets offense, this this is why Kelly looks better than the numbers is because the rest of the offense is a doo-doo. Well, and real quickly before we go to your next box score boogie stat, I mean, you're right. This is an offense that looks like it's from the 90s, but the bottom line is that Tony Delk is not walking through that door. (laughs) (laughs) Very well done. Go ahead, Doug. Okay. Uh, The next number is kind of in line with this, 37.9. 37.9. Nada, you can guess this first. That was probably over field goal percentage for the game. And Travion Graham is not walking through this door. Um, oh, I wish to. Oh, you're bringing up all the good ones here in the last five years. Uh, I'm going to say that's the amount of hustle plays from Kai Jones. Man, he was on the floor. The one that he really got on the floor for, I was a little scared because those legs were moving in (laughs) directions that, I mean, I'm glad he stretched before the game because I was worried we were about to take another injury to an exciting player. Kai Jones, you got to watch it, buddy. I appreciate the hustle, (laughs) but we need everybody healthy at this point. Um, He's crazy. Uh, So 37.9 is the three-point field goal percentage for the game for the Charlotte Hornets. That's the first time, gentlemen, that they have shot over 37% from three since Halloween, October 31st. That's how long it's been since the Hornets have shot 37% or higher. I mean, we have been in an absolute three-point desert. So that that goes along with that previous one. My final box score boogie number is one, uno, the loneliest number, one. Um, I'm going to go with the percent chance that the Hornets had to win this game last night. <laughs> by, oh, wow. by like by like the seven minute mark in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. this was. That's my guess. The er over Nada. What do you think? Number one. Let's see. Number one. That oh, that's a good one. It's not David Wesley's number. Who's not going through the door? Who's not coming through <laughs> no, the door either? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I'm just going to say that was the amount of points Kai Jones scored. Uh, no, wow. no, Kai, no, Kai, Kai put in a few buckets. He was four of eleven from the field. Took some shots. One, one. That was the uh, number of attempts. No, uh, but the number of attempts for James Booknight in the second half. One. Uh, if you were listening to the uh, broadcast, yeah. Dell and Eric even made a point to say that James Booknight was passing up shots. Uh, Booknight one of seven from the field in this one. Uh, when he checked into the game, immediately torched on defense by Brogdon. Was not a great game for James Booknight and another big opportunity for him to get some minutes and to show what he can do. Gentlemen, what do we think about James Booknight after this game? Oh, it's been as bad about as bad a start as you could ask for for James Booknight. I mean, and here's the thing, man. I, I've seen some people comment, and I will address that they they are more hopeful for James Booknight. They think we're being too hard on him. I mean, 
the bottom line is there's no one that can point to him and say that he's playing well right now. I James Booknight doesn't mean that we have to write this overarching theme on how it's going to go for him in his career. You know, I I'm one that often gets made fun of for holding on too long to a player and their potential because there's just too many instances where a player will break out in year three or four sometimes. Now, at some points, the team that drafted that specific player can't hold on to him anymore, and you have to move on. You have to trade him, and then maybe that is the process where a player is able to blossom with a different franchise. I'm not saying James Booknight is a bust by any means. There are things to like about James Booknight, but man, the things that you liked coming out of college are not showing up on an NBA floor in the degree that made him a first-round pick. They're just not happening right now. The shot is so bad. It, it's currently yeah. horrendous. He's he's giving you so many 0 of 5, 1 of 7, 1 of 6 performances. And if he's not going to be moving the basketball like that, if his defense isn't going to be amazing, you know, Zach Lowe had an article, what was it, two weeks ago, where one of the things he didn't like was James Booknight's ball-watching, non-stop ball-watching on defense. It's just what it is right Man. now. I, I hope that yeah. JB figures it out. Steve Clifford has given him the opportunity and injuries have given JB the opportunity in order to figure yeah. it out. And it just hasn't happened. That's the bottom line for book night. I hope he figures it out. I see. I'm not as down on him as everybody else. Mr. Positivity. I think wow. Not has really turned a corner, turned a new leaf. Well, I'm happy for you, Nada. Well, uh, see, the thing is, I think that there are that, uh, I'm not going to acknowledge any of this Mr. Positivity stuff, but still, um, I there's a bunch of this where I think there are plays that he makes. The other thing is just mentally, you can tell he has no confidence in driving to the cup. And there is a difference mentally where he is from last year to this year. Last year, especially in that Sacramento Kings game, there were a lot of times where he would drive to the cup. He would get bounced off by, again, the defender would bounce off him because he doesn't have any functional NBA strength. But he would get, at least get to the cup. Now he's just literally bailing the defense out with a lot of these bad three-point shots. He needs. He's one of those guys that you can tell basketball's confidence. He's not feeling very confident. And when he does start feeling confident, like the Minnesota game, things start rolling for him. He starts feeling better. He's one of those guys that's mentally not right where he's supposed to be. And I don't know if Greensboro is supposed to fix that. I don't know if going and, and playing regular minutes is supposed to no. figure that out. But at some point, it's just a confidence thing that he's got to get he's got to get right within himself. Last thing for me, just real quickly about book night. Th there have been more games, at least within the last month, where you can point to and say, OK, there's a game where you were at least OK. Memphis, yes, they got blown out but he was at least seven of 10 against Miami. They got beat by double digits, but he was four of six against Minnesota in a win. He was three of five. That was one where it helped winning and he hit a couple of three pointers that that's, that's what you want. Where are the games right now from James book night that you can point to and say, you helped us have a decent result compete. And, and right now, you know, there's not many, but those were a couple at least here recently. Well, and, and confidence is the key word from Nada. So w once the confidence starts to go for, for a player, especially one who is supposed to be a shooter, um, it's it's a deadly cycle because then the team loses confidence in you and it typically ends with a change of scenery. And so the storyline that we're going to be reading a few years from now is most likely going to be James Booknight gets a second opportunity you know, with, with another team and, and hopes he can rebuild mm -hmm. his career because the Hornets will be – 
will be high on James Booknight until it's not affordable to be high on him anymore, which is at the point where it's time to talk about rookie extension. And so, you know, but once that player starts to pass up shots, pass up open shots and loses confidence, that's the beginning of the end. I mean, see the Frank Kaminsky situation. It was like, all right, we're trying. We're we're going to re we're going to rethink things in the offseason. He's feeling better. And it just we kept doing that until it was time to make the rookie extension. And then, you know, that that player just sort of fades off into the ether and has to go somewhere else to figure this out. And unfortunately, I just think that's where we're heading with book night. And to anyone that thinks I'm too that we're too hard on him, look, we're just reading a story that he's writing. I'm just reading what he's writing. That's it. Well, and and maybe one day he scores 40 points like Ramon Sessions did one time. But he's not walking through that door, so it's going to have to come down to James Booknight. <laughs> neither, neither is Kevin Burleson. Kevin Burleson for the Charlotte. You dug Bobcats. deep for that one. Wow, he's the head coach. He's the head coach of the G League Rio Grande Valley Vipers right now. Kevin Burleson, Bobcats <laughs> legend. Is he walking through that door and as assistant coach? Possibly. I would like that. So maybe he can help with the Charlotte Hornets that way. That's Nada. He did walk through the door to help us host this episode of Lockdown Hornets. You can find him on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. Also, make sure you check out the college basketball content he's putting out, helping produce Ion College Basketball. Nada, it's always a good time, man. Thanks again. Yeah, and like Malik Monk, I won't, probably won't be walking through the door next week. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> Damn it. You ended on an angry one for me. Did you see him last night? He went for 30. I miss you, Malik. Uh, well, Thanks see, for making you us go. your That's, first. You're looking, at, you're looking at Book Knight's future right there. Yeah, uh, there yep. Yes, James Book Knight going to go for 30 in about five years. Thanks for making us your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only locked on can provide locked on sports today available on this app youtube and wherever you get your pods thanks again for joining us we'll be back with you tomorrow brad wanamaker not walking through that door 